Hey there, you're listening to the Faithful Business Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Schramm, and I bring over a decade of experience owning, running, and growing Christian organizations. And in this podcast, I want to help you become a more effective leader for Christ and serve your clients and customers well. Welcome to the show. Hey there, friends. Welcome into what is actually the 200th episode of the Faithful Business Podcast. This is going to be a really exciting one. To be honest, I can't think of a better guest for our 200th episode than Rachel C. Swanson. Rachel is a real estate investor. She owns a property management company, and she comes from a really interesting background of having been a published author, speaker, and coach. Now, what happened is COVID came along and sort of took everything away from her overnight. But the Lord had other plans, guided her through that miraculously into this life that she has today. And over just a couple of years, she's built an incredible business. And she's here to tell you all about it and even how you could get started in real estate yourself. What's cool is she not only is passionate about real estate and what she does now, but she's passionate about other Christians getting excited about it and into this game as well. So without further ado, here's Rachel. Rachel, thank you so much for joining me here on the Faithful Business Podcast. I certainly appreciate it. Yeah, I'm glad to be here, Steve. So thanks for having me. Yeah, 100%. So, you know, I have questions that I like to guide these conversations by. Um, but first, you know, I'd really just to like to know more about you and your story. And, and then we'll just kind of chat back and forth and, uh, and go, where, go where it goes. But yeah, I'd love to know more about you, what you're doing now in business, where you started and however much detail you want to share. Yeah. So I actually started, I feel like how this whole thing started for me was back when I didn't even know I wanted to go in business. And so for me, I was a stay, well, I was a mom. I was a dental hygienist at the time and um, I thought it was great. I was doing part-time work there. And then on the side, I was um, doing some blogging. And so my very first kind of entrepreneurial journey started with becoming an author. And so back in 2000, 17, I launched my first book and that became a national bestseller. And it really just was this passion project that turned into this kind of business venture. So after that, I started kind of digging into the whole author world. I started going out and speaking at um, different retreat places. And then I started my own online coaching program. And so um, with all that, like things were rolling, it was doing really well. And then to be honest, COVID hit and it really just tanked all of it. <laughs> oh, wow. So, um, you know, it was really unfortunate because in 2020, that's when, I mean, publishers, I was already uh, submitting for another book proposal and publishers just put everything on halt and um, all my speaking engagements got canceled. And then it was like crickets when I went to launch my next, you know, coaching program. It was like, it was just the worst timing ever, you know, because literally I think I launched that coaching program right when they, right when like the CDC and everything, everybody announced like, everybody's got to stay home, everybody's shut down. And it was like, okay, well, nobody's going to want to do this, you know? So I, at the time just felt like God also just made it really clear. Like I'm taking you a different direction. And to be honest, I was a little annoyed and frustrated at first, but I thought, okay, God, you haven't steered me wrong. So, um, in the meantime, it was really funny because actually at the end of 2019, so this is just before COVID, you know, hit and everything tanked on that side. Just the end of 2019, I became an accidental landlord. And what happened was we, my husband and I, we were um, trying to buy another property that was our own. 
And the current one, it was just weird. It wasn't selling and it was just very weird for the market. I live in Idaho. It's a hot market. And for some reason, it just wasn't selling. It was a great looking house. And so I talked to my little and I was like, is there any way we could like hold on to this house for some reason, you know, and like rent it? How can we do this? And sure enough, she pulled some strings. We did like a HELOC on that house, pulled the money out that we needed to buy our existing house and then rented out that house um, in the meantime. So I realized after that, it was really nice that next year when we had a little extra cash flow. At the same time, we also had a um, like another family that rented out the basement part of our existing house. And again, just for temporary, you know, just to kind of help them out. And it really helped us out because we needed some extra cash flow at the time when my stuff kind of yeah. dried up. So it was just this kind of nudge I was given to explore the real estate world. And that's where I'm living in now. And it's been super amazing. It's been a wild ride because obviously it hasn't been super long. And already I have a holding company. I have multiple LLCs. You know, I have a property management company that makes uh, $250,000 gross, even just started last year. So, wow. you know, I, I work really quickly and really hard, but it also just has been a huge blessing um, in the meantime. So that's kind of where I'm at now is just continuing to maintain the momentum, buying more properties, working and networking with other um, investors. And the whole time, I feel like I'm just really trying to make sure to keep things God-focused and God-centered because, you know, God's obviously the one that brought me into this journey. Wow, what a story. Like, that is that is wild. You you must be <laughs> hanging on for dear life. That is all I can that is all I could think. I mean, it's hard to believe. Like, I guess time just moves so fast now. You know, the older you get, time moves so quickly. But it's hard to believe that COVID hit like end of 2019, early 2020. Here we are already yeah. a couple years uh removed from that. It's really it's really amazing. So you I mean, you kind of like you know, where your story starts here really is like you were living the dream, so to speak, that like so many people want to want to be living. Right. It's like you very quickly like what you said, your first book, this was your first book and it became an international bestseller. Like hey, that. Yeah, that's a total. What, what was that about, by the way? What did you what was the book about? Yeah. So it's called Big and Little Coloring Devotional, and it is a, an adult and child coloring devotional. So you literally cool. sit like coffee shop style where you're face to face with each other. So the child will sit across from you and then they have like a simpler design with like a Bible verse on it that they, um, you know, color through. And then you have like the passage, a little bit more of like passage of scripture. And then you're, you get to color as well. And it was really just birthed out of my own desire. I actually, I had been, you know, digging into writing. I, I, I was a writer and I was doing well with my online writing stuff. But, you know, I started exploring just different ideas for, um, you know, a book. And really it was, I wanted a book like this. So I went on Amazon to try to find it and I couldn't find it. And so I thought, well, it's marrying two things that I think would be really popular. And at that time, you know, adult coloring books were really popular. So yeah. I just married, you know, a coloring book that kids love and devotionals, you know, and then the, the whole coloring thing together. And it just became this huge thing that, that blew up. So Lifeway Publishers, which, um, you know, they're they're a pretty big Bible publisher, uh, yeah. Christian publisher. They're the ones who published it. And um, and then we had a follow up sequel that also did really well. That was uh, really fun. And and then it led to another, you know, nonfiction book. And that did fine, too. And um but yeah, that first one was definitely my biggest, you know, I made a big splash and it kind of led to all of that. Yeah. 
man, that that is really huge. I mean, but but like to have it all just taken away from you so quickly, like yeah, I, I can't I can't imagine because I know I've written I've written three books. I am working on my fourth currently, and I started that one near the beginning of COVID. Um, so I know firsthand how. Now I've never done a coloring like that kind of thing, but but I've written you know, some pretty extensive stuff. And I know what it can be like, like the the blood, sweat and tears that you put into that. And then to just have it um, taken away. And it, it's interesting. I, um, I'm reading maybe by no accident. I'm um, my, in my morning devotions. I'm going through Job right now. And I'm just like, like to, to watch a, a person who has everything. And I, I know, I don't want to be melodramatic here. It's not like you had, ev- you know, your entire world, you kind of did have your right. entire world flipped upside down. But I mean, you know, I mean, it's, you've read the book of Job just as well as I have, I'm sure. And it's, it's some pretty crazy stuff and it's, it's still just, but, but yet, you know, we know the end of Job's story. We don't know the end of our story, but you know, these things were written for our learning. That's what Romans 15, four says. So just really incredible how faith and trust. And it's just like, you know, God is working, but you don't know how. And in your case, you're just like hanging on for the ride. You had no idea of you know like who goes from writing a, a children like an adult and, and, and children coloring book to like being a real estate you know <laughs> investor basically overnight you know it's a pretty yeah. story yeah i i tend to be i don't know i'm i'm very eclectic i like a lot of different things and so you know truthfully i mean even in my personal life i dabble in so many different aspects or you know i even change my style all the time you know so it's just it just depends but um so yeah i mean at first you would think like what's real estate got to do with it and also i had a hard time at first because i thought really is this the really where god's leading like the other one just seems so clearly um yeah. focused on faith and and business and all that whereas this one I was like, really, God, like you want me to go this direction? It's not necessarily, you know, ministry. It's not doing that kind of stuff. But then it really dawned on me how much that it's so true. Like we need believers and we need faith believers everywhere, even in the business realm, especially in the business realm, so that we can be influencing those in those spaces that are much more prone to, you know, cheating or, you know, falling between the lines or not being totally honest. And so and be able to influence these spaces and say, no, like you can do these things very honestly. You can do it ethically. You can make it a positive impact. And actually, it's it's funny to say, because now sitting here, even, you know, in 2022, and it's only been about, you know, two years of really doing investing. And I've now seen how God is using us. And it's been different, but he's using us in more ways for like we're able to tithe bigger and I actually have more time in my schedule now than I did before to help out and volunteer. And so while it may not be the forefront, it's using that, that catalyst or those, that this, this business is helping me on the back front to influence other um, organizations or other people. And that part has been really cool to me. Yeah. Let's, that's, let's dive a little deeper into that because that is such a theme that comes up when I'm interviewing people on this podcast. It's something that I've realized for myself, uh, because I've done actual, like, I mean, I've done ministry work for, for quite a while. And so I've been, I've been literally in the realm of full-time ministry and full-time employment and full-time business. I've been across that spectrum. And I feel like I, I feel like business has allowed me to make a bigger impact than any anything else I've done. And that 
particular testimony seems to be shared by others. So I'd like to maybe just dig even, you know, dig some more gems out of, out of that from your story. Like what, what, what things were really like, what did you find that was different about it? How are you able to really have a bigger impact? Um, what, what is that like for you? Do you know, talk more about that. Yeah. I mean, truthfully, just, I feel like the, the income, I mean, it, it really does provide more opportunities. And so it, it's not really about money. It's about what does money provide on the outcome? And yeah. this whole world, I mean, the truth is we, everything you do kind of revolves around money in the sense of, of putting a value to something. Even your time is worth money. Like, so when it comes to money, the more you make, it's kind of true, but the more kind of things that become available to you. I mean, you may be able to then, you know, do more with that money. I mean, it's, it, it comes down to the heart though, truthfully, like it's about your heart. And if you don't have your heart in the right place, then you're probably not going to make a good impact. You're going to be selfish. You're going to use it all for yourself and in ways that probably is not going to make a big impact. But if you have your heart on, you know, in the right place and your head on straight, you can be able to impact and influence other other companies, other people, like change people's lives, you know, with the amount of time that also can be made available to you if you're if you're making like a passive income. Um, and truthfully, like yeah. books and writing, I mean, that can be passive, but I'll just be honest. I mean, I was in this year, I was very successful in in this certain regard. And yet, um, <laughs> It was, I mean, if I only lived on book sales alone, I would have been in the very, very poor category. And so I would have been needing some donation money. So yeah. truthfully, <laughs> you know, most authors, they that's why you see them, you know, speaking or making coaching programs or online creation education things, because to be able to live off of that income alone is usually not enough unless you're in the very, very, very tip top tier. Um, but then you have to be producing yeah. lots and lots of books and still it's not very passive. It's a lot of work. Uh, whereas with real estate, I feel like it is um, much more passive over time. Yes, there's a, a bit of work in the in the startup, but truthfully, you can make it passive even from day one. You can have people hired out and doing things from day one. And while you maybe only make a couple hundred dollars extra a month from one property, well, you could truly be not doing anything and make that couple hundred dollars. And it's very, very steady. So um, yeah. the influence, again, is just it really depends on your heart. Um, I feel like the more money I'm able to make, the more positive impact I am, I am able to make for other people. And some people may have a harder time with that, but um, that's just been my own personal experience. I feel like I'm able to give more. I can have more time to do other things that make an impact. And for me, that's just, that makes it all worth it. Huge. You know, such an important point. Um, I, I'm, I'm reminded by something and, you know, I mean, people are, of course, across the political uh, perspective, perspective, even, even those who listen to this, but you know, I, I, something that the daily wire, I heard them say recently, their CEO, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like most people who are doing ministry work. It's like, you can only be so effective asking for donations. Um, you know, at a certain point you, you're going to have to provide something of value and ask for a monetary, uh, exchange, <laughs> you know, yeah. in order to, in order to really make impact, because ultimately people want to see something tangible in return for, you know, the money that they spend. And, and so a lot of ministries, frankly, are just barely scraping by 
yeah. asking for donations, spending all the time to write books and hopefully make sales off of their own books and, and creating all these programs. But then you get into this, this quandary of, oh, wait a minute, you know, you're a ministry. So why are you trying to like sell me all of these things? And so it's a really tough place for ministries to be in. But yet when you're a business, you know, people expect this, you know, people expect to provide their money in exchange for some value that you give. And um, I read, yeah, I mean, I read recently, um, Randy Alcorn, uh, he's got some great books on, on the subject of money. I tough, uh, tough, uh, to read because, um, I uh, self-admit I'm, I, I tend to be selfish. Right. And so, um, so I'm challenged by, uh, the words of the Bible and also people who expound upon what the Bible says, you know, to, to give more. And so I'm, um, I'm really working on that, praying about that and working through that in my life. But it's just really fascinating to see what they say about like, yeah, when you, when your heart is in the right place, like you said, and when you are doing something that, that really can, um, that really is worth someone's money and they give you that money, it's amazing on the back end, what you can take and, and do with it. And if you look at like, just, I guess the history of, 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 of not only commerce in the United States, but I mean, if you look at people who have built great things, I'm thinking of the Hobby Lobbies and the Chick-fil-A's of the world, you know, these, these organizations are built on the back of strong ethical businesses that provide great value, you know? Absolutely. And, you know, you, you made, so, you, you were talking and I just had this thought, um, you know, it, it's also just like, I know real estate, some people are like, eh, real estate, you know, they think of landlords that are slumlords that are not taking care of things and like tenants are just, you know, being awful. But that's not my perspective. The way that I look at it, I mean, we truly are trying to provide quality, nicer places, affordable places to live. Um, I mean, on a basic level, you're providing for somebody's home. I mean, and that is a huge thing. I mean, that's a huge place that people need. And so even on a basic level, that's something that I'm able to provide, which is, which is huge. I mean, God wants us to take care of each other. And how are we doing that? Well, I mean, truthfully, the government doesn't always, you know, go in there. They're not really going in and and grabbing houses and flipping them and making them nice and taking care of them. Like, so they, they they rely on investors or other people to do is take their money and take these places and, you know, put a lot of work and effort to maybe making them nicer, making them work and having, good tenants go in, they appreciate, you know, the place that they live. And then over time, because truthfully, this is typically more of an overtime type of thing where I get my investment back is, you know, it, it creates value over time. Um, investing, you know, over time, it reduces the inflation that um, keeps eating at your money. You know, like if you left it in a bank account, you're going to right now yeah. it's like 0.4%. So in a year, if you had 100,000 in there, you're actually making, and you didn't do anything with it, you actually have like 8.4% less than you did a year ago, unless you're making right. it work for you. And so again, it's trying to um, play into that. But but back to what I was saying is just on a basic level, I also just feel like I'm providing something really important and good on a humanity level is providing a home and a place that people can go to and feel cared for and loved. So that's yeah, my, this is, on it. this is, this is great. I mean, that's a fantastic perspective. You know, I honestly never thought of that. Just being honest. I never, I've thought I mentioned before we started recording, I've thought about 
um, getting into real estate. It's part of my long-term plan um, because God knows you can only trust the stock market as far as you can throw it. So, um, but I thought about this, but I've, I've never thought about the perspective of actually just from almost humanitarian standpoint of like reversing how people think about real estate, you know, landowners as, you know, you mentioned the word slumlords and things like that, you know, kind of changing that perspective around. And even, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure I'm being a real estate. I'm sure you've heard of like, you know, Grant Cardone and, and guys like that. And yeah. I, I like, I like them. Don't get me wrong. I do. Um, but there, there's, there is this, uh, you know, a lot of people who teach real estate even sort of give off this air of, of, it's all about the money and it's all about, yeah. the, you know, it, it, it still comes from this really hardcore, you know, business perspective and, and I, and nothing wrong with business. This is the faithful business podcast. Um, but I do, I, I do think there's an opportunity in the world for Christians to make a huge impact here specifically as landlords. And that's, huge. yeah. Yeah. With Grant Cardone, I mean, and it's nothing, nothing against him or, or anyone else, but there are some investors out there, you know, that, they're, they do. They they flaunt a lot more on the, I'm making all this money. Look at me. Like kind of like an I don't care about the actual people or the you know the people that are tenants or the the business owners that you know places that they live. But um, but I think you're right. Like there is an opportunity for us as believers to step in in the space and say no. Like this is actually something we want to influence on a better level. We want to be those landlords that they're like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. For example, my husband and I, we just talked about it, that we're planning on giving a little Christmas gift, which is a monetary, you know, amount of sum um, to our tenants at the end of the year, um, just as a thank you. Thank you for being tenant. Yeah. Thank, for pay thank you for paying on time. You know, for those that pay on time and have just been great tenants, we just want to give back to them and show them that we care. And that's not something that you, you ever hear landlords doing. And I'm not saying this to flaunt my own, you know, horror. It's just something that we just really feel like we want to change the culture there. We want to bring a place that people are like, wow, I want to live there because these landlords or these people that own this, they are so nice. They're so kind. They're on top of it when it comes to repairs. They, um, you know, are, are generous when it comes to, you know, just we're taking care of their place and they're going to be generous back to us. And so. Um, yeah. but there is a place I think for us to step into in this realm and start making it more about the people and not just about the money that you make. Love it. Lo yeah. Love that. My, my pastor talks often about how Christians should be the hardest workers, you know, should always be the ones showing up early, you know, staying late, making sure all the, you know, everything's done, all the T's are crossed, all the I's are dotted. So, I mean, I think the exact same thing should be true in business. That's, that's giant. So if you're if you're willing, I'd love to to dig, you know, and, and I'm going to try my best not to turn this into a personal coaching session. But um, <laughs> if you're willing, I would love for you to dive uh, as as far as you'd like to um, into the real estate specifically. I mean, it's what you're good at. It's what the the Lord has blessed you with. So I'd love to know, like um, you mentioned a couple different things. I know you do some real estate investing. You do some property management, you know, share as much as you want to about your specific uh business and feel free to promote the heck out of it if you want to, as far as I'm concerned. But also I, I'd love to know if I were to be framing this as a, as a more, you know, as a better framed question, I, I think I would say something like, how does one, if they're interested, get started into real estate other than accidentally becoming a landlord? Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I know that one, that part is a little different, but um, truthfully, I mean, then we started to really dig into it and then things kind of exploded from there. But 
Um, I always tell people, first of all, you've got like, seriously, before you do anything else, read the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, if you have not read it yet. It will truly change your mindset first about entering into like the real estate game and even just about um, kind of financial, building some financial business in general. Uh, it just will really change that. The second thing is just start reading or listening to podcasts as much as possible on on real estate. So I usually recommend at least 10 real estate books or like 20 podcast episodes. Bigger Pockets is one of those out there that is just good stuff. Um, I know that, you know, they have really good content and then just start ingesting just all the terminology and things that go into it, because at first it's going to feel like a foreign language. It just will. Um, and then as you continue to listen and and have all those, you know, concepts of cap rates and, you know, you know, cash on cash return and like all these different things kind of going through you, you're starting, you're going to start to be like, okay, I think I'm starting to figure this out. I think I want, I'm going to get, get this. At the same time, you're also going to be exposed to a lot of different types of real estate you can get involved in. And here's my tip. Don't get overwhelmed and just know that all of it works at some point to some degree. They all have their pros and cons. Okay. But truthfully, all of them really do work. I mean, if you talk, like you can talk to some, some, some guy over here, you know, he's going to be telling you that triple net leases is the way to go for commercial. And that's, that's his thing because he's done really well with it. The other person in here, they're an Airbnb ex expert. They're going to say, that's the best thing. This other person's like multifamily. That's the way to go. The other one's like single family. I have all those. And so truthfully, like they're each one is a little different, but here's the truth. Like, don't get overwhelmed and just know like whatever one, if, if there's something that kind of interests you or you're like, I feel like I want to explore that one more, like maybe mobile home parks, that's kind of a thing I want to explore, RV parks, that sounds fun. Then just start going with that one and just stick with that one thing first. Um, that's what I would recommend. And then as you continue to move forward, that's when it starts to be like, okay, now how do I get the money or what, well, how do I do, how do I fund this thing? Like, what do I do next? And that's where it can be now from what I've learned, you can go a couple different ways. Um, one is just the traditional standard, which is, you know, you save up enough money for a down payment. And typically it's, you know, 10 to 20 percent down on a investment property. You might be able to qualify for an investment property that might be like an FHA loan where you put like 3.5 percent down. But it's not always typical with an investment property. Um, and so you have to have a little bit of capital, you know, or try to figure out a way to get some capital. Um, first to be able to do that investment. If that's not something that you have the ability, like you're like, I really don't have any cash. I really don't know how I'm going to do this. Then that's where you have to start putting a little bit more time and energy into what I would call it or what is called creative financing. And so creative financing is basically anything outside of the traditional loan method. So for example, let's just say, Steve, you have like a $100,000 single family property, right? And let's just say like you own it outright. Um, you've, you've had renters in there before. They just, you know, messed up the place. You don't want to own it anymore. You're just like, I'm done. And, you know, you, I come to you and I'm like, Steve, I love this property. I think it would be great. What do you want? Like, what's, what's the price? And you're like, well, you know, I still want a hundred thousand. It's like, okay, I'll give you a hundred thousand, but we need to talk about terms. And you're like, what's terms? And I say, okay, well, it's basically just making payments. Like I, you become the bank and I'll give you payments to, you know, pay off the equity that you have. Because let's just say you owned it outright, you know, you have 100,000 in it. And so I just say, okay, well, how does $500 a month sound to you? And you're like, that sounds pretty good, you know? So yeah. we go through the title process and we set up contracts. It's all through title. It's all legal. 
and I start making payments to you as soon as I get the sale. I don't even have a down payment. I don't have to give you anything. I can just be like, hey, I'll just take it over from you and I'll just start making payments next month. You're like, yeah. So I start, I take it. And within the first month, I just do some light renovations because it wasn't like that bad, really. It was mostly surface stuff. So I put maybe 10 grand into it, you know, and then, or even less than that, maybe it looks turnkey and you can just get somebody in right away. And so I get a tenant, I get them going and they're paying me a thousand dollars a month, right? And so sure enough, you know, I'm paying you 500, but I get 500, you know, and that's right. the best way to get in it if you have absolutely no capital whatsoever. Now, finding oh, these people, that's when you have to start doing like some off market, you know, research. And so yeah. there's different places you can look online, you know, batch leads is one of them. And, you know, these are things that you might have to sign up for, or you can literally just do the, the method. There's some free methods out there, which is kind of like, um, uh, door knocking in a sense, a little bit, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. This, if you really had no money, but you wanted to get in, yeah, then you have to put a little bit of elbow grease into it. You have to do the work and to try to find these people, try to figure out a deal, figure out what makes sense. And then, but as soon as you have that one, it's like, sweet, now I have $500 a month. I can start saving that or keeping that to make sure it goes down into my next deal. Like maybe the next deal, it's like, oh, I need like 2000 down to make this work. Oh, cool. Like, I already have that after four months. I already got 2000 down. Let's do it again. You know, so it grows yeah. from there. So it's pretty cool how it works. And um, yeah, so it's just about either finding you can do the traditional method um, or you can save up some capital and um, do it that way or do creative. And then from there, it just truly starts opening up all these doors. So. Huge. Um, so what is your what is your perspective on debt right so so full disclosure um i turned my financial life around basically with dave ramsey's advice um right. but then i started listening to grant cardone on the real estate stuff and <laughs> uh, i'm like okay well those are those are two very different perspectives and yeah. um, i i like to think of myself as being you know um pretty pretty well educated on on this stuff but uh certainly many who are listening may not be um so i guess just to preface it obviously Christians have different perspectives on debt. Uh, lots of people do, of course, but within the Christian world, there are very, you know, influential people who have different perspectives on debt. And I've heard, you know, um, you know, I, I think I've heard Grant specifically, and I hate to keep bringing him up, but it, it's just he's who I've he's who I have learned from in terms of real estate. So that's that's the only place that I can go to, the only well I can draw from. Um, I've heard him specifically mention, like, look, Dave's talking about consumer debt, like, totally get that. Business debt is different, et cetera, et cetera. So what, like, what is your opinion on that? Like, what is your opinion on debt? Like, do you have? Yep. So, yeah. So I, I actually um, went through Dave Ramsey's financial peace program 10, yeah. 12 plus years ago. Um, I think it was very beneficial to a person. If you have absolutely no idea how to budget, how to save money, if you're in like credit card debt or personal liability debt that just does not make sense. It's just eating away at your monthly income every month. That's bad debt. Um, I'm not against uh, debt in the sense that, or, 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 you know, I think some debt is bad. Like that's bad debt, like credit card debt or personal debt. Like that's bad debt to have. You don't want to have that. And I think Dave Ramsey does a good job speaking to those people. And, but I don't think Dave Ramsey speaks to everybody. Okay. So Dave Ramsey speaks yeah. to, I, I would say still the general public of how to just become um, where you're not relying on social security checks at the you know end of your life. Um, yeah. He wants to make sure you have a little bit of cushion where you can live comfortably and not be in a hole. And that's fantastic. 
Now, if you look at Robert Kiyosaki, okay, he's the one of Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and he's all about, you know, it's okay to have debt. Um, it's a certain type of debt is what he's talking about. And so Robert Kiyosaki, I just like to compare both of those. If you talk to him, he'd be like, yeah, well, Dave, yeah, Dave, Dave's talking to the general public. But if you want to be wealthy, if you want to generate generational wealth, if you want to increase your income infinite, infinitely um, for the, you know, for the greater good of whatever it is you want to do, then you do need to utilize debt. And there's a good type of debt. So when it comes to debt, I mean, truthfully, I look at things and yeah, we, we hold a lot of debt with our real estate properties right now. But guess what? Every single one of those cash flows way more than what the debt is worth. And we have cushion. So yeah. we don't overextend ourselves. There are some people, they'll get into a deal and it's already a negative cash flow, meaning it's like not producing any extra any month. It's actually taking away money out of your pocket. And that's not good. That's, that's bad debt. <laughs> that's not an asset. So there is a way to be able to leverage and utilize debt, though, to be able to get yourself in a place that can be absolutely life-changing on the long run. But here's the ticket. You do have to be responsible. I mean, if you're not responsible with debt, it's like an alligator that'll come up out of the middle of nowhere and bite you in the head. You know, like you have yeah. to be very careful. And it is a tool that God, I believe, has given us to utilize if we are um, careful with it. And so I don't believe he's just like, yeah, willy nilly, you know, do whatever you want with it. But um, you do have to be responsible. And I think that's why God, you know, when he calls people even into leadership and stuff, he talks about how they need to be, they're kind of be held at a higher responsibility than those that are not because they have. Um, such a bigger influence to, and, and they could create such a bigger destruction in a sense right. if they were to, you know, mishandle other people or whatever. Same thing when it comes to debt. If you're not able to handle or um, take, you know, a careful analysis of deals and make sure that it's, you know, you have enough cushion and you can make these payments and you have, you know, extra for yourself, um, then you're, you might not just, you, you might not, not want to invest in it truthfully like i don't think people that if they're not in a place where they can handle their own it's probably not a good idea to invest in real estate you can get yourself in in deep water pretty quick that's probably why we had the 2008 crash <laughs> there was a lot of people that were right. leverage i mean truthfully there was these lenders too that were you know handing out all this stuff but um but you got to be aware of how much debt you're willing to carry and then what's your risk tolerance in that but i yeah. mean if we hadn't stepped out and done this i mean it would not have we would we would not be where we are today, where we are able to um, generate, you know, even more income, continue to reinvest that money. And, you know, we've made easily a million dollars just in our um, investments over the last two years of just straight up equity um, over the last two years. And that's something that we would never have done if we hadn't jumped in and just done it. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it can give you a degree of leverage that is important to have. But, you know, I I, I even like that you started out like you didn't even start out mentioning that option. The first thing that you talked about was save up for a down payment. And I think like if you can do that and, and I've got a line item in my budget right now for, you know, like I can't start funding it yet, but I'd like to. And my my plan is by the time I'm 35 to hopefully be able to do something with that. But it's like. Yeah. I mean, if, if you're in a position where you'd rather not take that or you'd rather take the least amount possible, then start saving up as soon as you possibly can, I think would be my recommendation um, just with cash. And, you know, the cool thing about cash is if you if you if you store cash in a place 
that is safe from a financial perspective, then you can very easily take that cash back out if you need it. And you won't, won't <laughs> yeah. get yourself in trouble, you know? So um, I think that's great advice not to be over leveraged. And that's just, you know, that's just good old fashioned being responsible, right? Like being yeah. a, a responsible human being, but especially as a Christian, you know, being somebody who is counting the cost of everything that you're doing, being a good steward of the Lord's resources, remembering ultimately that he owns it all. You know, it's, it's, Absolutely. We, we get to borrow it and manage it well for a while, but, um, you know, he's, he's the owner. So, um, yeah, thank you for, for sharing all of that. That's, that's super helpful. And I think, um, I think that people will get some real value out of that. I'd like to know more about you, just your faith story. Um, if you know, did you grow up in church? Did you come to the Lord later on? Um, how, how, you know, how did that work for you? Yeah. Um, no, I, I, I came to become a believer in when I was 19, um, I was in college and I went to a fall retreat, which at the time was called campus crusade for Christ. It's now renamed crew. And uh, yeah, and actually it was just at the time I was just really in a dark place. And so I just felt like there had to be more to life than this. And when I started exploring the Bible and about God, because I and then I just started feel, feeling like, okay, who is God really? Like, I know people talk about the Bible. I know, you know, I even did grow up in a different, you know, faith background. Um, not, it, was, it was a Mormon background but you know I fell away from that and I was agnostic at the time and I just thought you know I really want to know what the truth though about God is and so that became just a a journey of just researching again I guess I'm kind of a researcher by nature (laughs) and so it was much more on the logical level at first and then God got me on the spiritual level and I just remember um yeah just the speaker at the time I mean everything he was saying at the time just felt like it was God speaking to me And, you know, that night I just, you know, I prayed and um, I actually prayed for like two hours, not quite sure yet if I was going to jump in, but just really feeling like I just wanted to pray and get like a clear confirmation from God. And I had kind of a supernatural experience. It's actually in my book, Refine and Restore. So if you want to read more about it, you can. But, um, But yeah, so I talk about just kind of the supernatural experience I had with God where I was like, okay, I can't deny it. Like he's definitely real and God, Jesus is the true, you know, um, you know, God, he, he, he is man in, in, and God at the same time, it's the Trinity. There's a Holy spirit. Like I just, I knew. And so ever since then I've, um, just applied that to my life and have just never looked back really. I mean, it's just been life-changing and, um, in every way now I just, I am just so thankful. Like I look around today and I just feel like, how do people do it without him? Like, how do people go around with life? Like without having that deep sense of hope and love and comfort. And, you know, there's been times where there's just this peace and love that truly does surpass understanding that comes into my heart and my life at times when I'm feeling really alone or feeling scared and and just to have that assurance, you know, and it's again, it, it feels weird because it's not something, it's not very tangible, you guys. It's it's indescribable. And but that's who God is. Like if God was like a person, right. like it wouldn't be so awe-inspiring. But God is God. Like he's this amazing, crazy you know, being exactly. that can do a crazy, amazing things and and do miracles. And I've seen miracles like with my own eyes. You know, I've prayed for somebody to be healed and they've been, they've been healed. So I know this stuff is real. Um, I know God is, is the truth. And so ever since then, it's just been like, yeah, absolutely. Like that's, that's what it's all about. And I'm so thankful. So thankful now. I love that. I, um, I'm always fascinated to hear 
uh, stories of people who came to the Lord late, later in life because I, you know, I grew up in a Christian home. I mean, I went to Christian school. I went to a Baptist church. I mean, I've, I've been around this stuff my, my entire life and I didn't even start taking things really that seriously. Um, it, it, you know, like you, you mentioned that for you, it was a more of a logical journey at first. Well, for me, you know, that came only about seven, six or seven years ago now. Um, yeah. you know, I, I felt that, you know, the Lord wanted me, it was really random, but I felt that the Lord wanted me to start like preaching. And I, I guess the thought I kind of had was, well, uh, I've been a Christian my entire life, but if, if I'm going to like teach and preach and, and tell others about the Lord in such a, you know, a bold way, I said, I guess I better, you know, kind of make sure this is true. And I just had this thought like, you know, did Jesus like even exist or does anybody even believe this stuff beyond, you know, the people in my little circle and, um, like a good millennial, I Googled, um, and you know, <laughs> was, was Jesus a real person? And I, you know, I, I remember going about my day and apparently I, whatever answer I found was satisfactory enough for me. Um, and that was it. And then we were in a Goodwill, me and my wife and what is there for a dude to do in Goodwill? Um, and so I went and looked at the books and I wasn't even a reader at the time. Um, which is kind of funny now because if you saw my Kindle library, anyway, um, I wasn't, a, I wasn't a reader at the time and I came across Lee Strobel's book, uh, the case for faith. And I read it and I was just like, what? Like there are, there are like really smart people who believe this stuff. I can't believe it. And, uh, yeah. and that, that really turned everything around for me. So I'm, I'm always fascinated to hear, you know, 19, you don't hear that many 19 year olds, you know what I'm saying? These days, like coming to the Lord out of a life of, you know, atheism or agnosticism or, or just darkness and, you know, spiritual or emotional darkness in general. So I always love to hear that. Um, yeah. And isn't it funny how the Lord works? So um, what's the word I'm looking for? I, I want to say prominently, but he, he works so obviously, let's use that. He works so obviously um, when you're truly seeking him in both sort of the logical realms and the spiritual emotional realms. I mean, I, I heard that in your story and I think it's just fantastic. So absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing Sweet. Stuff. So a couple more questions here and then, um, and then I'll let you go. Uh, but, but I have a few that I like to just run through. We talked through many of the questions that I like to ask regularly already. So that's, that's cool. But, um, two, two things really important that I want to ask. Number one, like what's the biggest misconception that, you think people have about um, running a business, owning a business. And yeah, it could, could be a real estate business, just however you want to, you want to run with that. Just the biggest misconception that people have about it. Um, like misconception from like other people looking in that want to do a business and yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean, yeah because entrepreneurship is cool now, but it wasn't, yeah. it didn't used to be cool, but now, now it's, now it's cool. But I think people also get the wrong idea of it sometimes. So I just yeah. curious if we had any thoughts on that. Well, I think the biggest misconception, and maybe, maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but I think people think it's going to be easy at first and it's not. You're actually going to probably work a lot harder and a lot longer hours than you thought you would initially. Gotcha. Um, now, not, not everything. I will be honest, you know, real estate has actually been one of the, I mean, cause I've done a few other businesses. I've, I've started, you know, I've done coaching programs. I was an author. I did speaking. Um, I had a direct sales company at one point I was involved in. I've sold other things on the site anyway. So I've done a few other businesses, but real estate has actually been, I feel like the, the one that, again, it depends. If, if you have enough capital, you can get in um, and not have to do as much work. 
initially. Yeah. If you don't have any capital, if you don't have any money, then yeah, you do have to have a lot more work. Um, but the other misconception, maybe another misconception though, would be that it, you have to have good accounting. <laughs> like oh, you're yes. running a business and you need to make sure you're keeping track of all your expenses. Like I know it sounds yeah. so dumb and nobody likes to talk about taxes, but make sure your stuff is in order because if you get audited and you know your business gets shut down or you have to pay more in taxes, you got to be really careful about that stuff. So uh, yeah. make sure, yeah, you, you, you learn a little bit about how to actually do the behind the scenes running the business or have enough money to pay someone to do the accounting and bookkeeping for all the income that you're going to start getting in and know yeah. what you're doing with it. So that is such great advice. Um, <laughs> it's so, it's so funny. So I do, um, me and my team, we do website design marketing. Um, and I, uh, one of the things that I do is, um, I have kind of a unique business model for my space. I, I do like subscription website design work. So when you, you know, sign with me, we, we, you pay a monthly retainer basically, and we do work, um, which is unique, um, in, in my space. And so I teach others, um, how to do this. Uh, and in the course, uh, that I put together for this one, I have an entire module dedicated to budgeting <laughs> and, and finances. And it's like, people wonder why is that in there and it's like because if you don't have this none of the rest of it's going to work uh you know you have to go in like I, i've got a i've got a, a you know a, a buddy who he runs a business and his finances and he would admit this you know his finances are just uh a train wreck and he's like you know i've got to get a bookkeeper i've got to you know i've got to get somebody helping me with this yeah. stuff and i'm like yeah like yesterday right uh <laughs> it, you, you because otherwise it, it's gonna tank right so that's a that's a hugely important point and, and it was a big part of my story because when i so i quit my full-time job um or yeah, I quit my, I quit my full-time job to go full-time in business, uh, in January of last year. So January, 2021, you know, smack dab in the middle of a pandemic, you know, and, and if it wasn't for, frankly, the skills that I learned when it comes to budgeting, setting aside for taxes, um, I use Mike McCallowitz profit first method. So I set aside for profit taxes, um, expenses and everything, salary, yep. right, right out of the gate. Every, every, every dime that comes in is, you know, allotted before it goes where it needs to go. And that was a huge part of, of the sustainability of my business to today. So yeah, people if, don't know how to do that though. So typically entrepreneurs yeah. are visionary people. And so they're more focused on the vision and, you know, the kind of the end result, but the actual like part of, of, um, maintaining the business, you know, like the accounting, the ins the and details. outs, keeping like, they don't want to do all that, you know? And so that's why I'm saying, okay, if you're like that initially, then you need to either make sure you have enough money saved aside every month for a bookkeeper or an accountant to help you with that. Or you're going to have to go on YouTube and start learning because <laughs> you need to, or find a mentor, you know, like you to help uh, teach you what you need to do. Yeah. 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 hundred percent. Um, you know, it's, it's probably one of the most important things you could do. I mean, read a book, <laughs> read a book, read profit first by Mike McCallowitz, read, read rich fat, rich dad, poor dad, you know, learn, you know, read the richest man in Babylon, read, read these books on how to actually manage your money and think about your money. Well, um, or yeah. if you're not willing to do that, hire somebody else who has, <laughs> um, exactly. so I've got one last question for you, but, uh, before yeah. that, I, you know, feel free to take just a moment, you know, where can people find you online? What's the best way to engage with you if you want to be engaged with? Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I typically Instagram it's Rachel C Swanson. Um, okay. and, uh, you know, that's the best place, honestly, to find me. Reach out to me on Instagram. That's the best place. Um, yeah. 
All right. Fantastic. Very good. So um, my, my final question for you, because this is something that's been important for me is um, like, do you have a sort of either a morning routine or a daily routine or just something that you do every day that helps keep your, your day in sync? Because, you know, again, it's like, especially when you leave the the corporate world, like I did and, and then go into full-time business, it's kind of like, you don't have anybody crack, cracking the whip anymore. Um, and so it's like, you've got to stay organized. And I'm just curious if you have any sort of, you know, anything that you do to, to keep yourself motivated in that way. Yeah, uh, I'd say my biggest thing is, so honestly, I just, I have to get kids ready for school in the morning and I take them to school. But once I get home is when I go and take my morning walk. And during the walk, I just, it's my time to pray or just reflect. And, you know, so both I'm getting some physical exercise as well as, you know, just getting connected with God a lot of times. And that has just been a really critical point to just rounding my day. I think just having that, it just sets myself up for more success, like for the rest of the day. If I just come home and like, truthfully, if I come home and I don't do that, I'm a lot more lazy or I have a lot, I have a harder time getting going. Or if I do just start getting going in my business right at the start, then I feel a lot more stressed by the afternoon. It just is like, I don't know what it is, but I think just, again, a combination of just having a little bit of exercise, it just calms, you know, keeps the stress down as well as um, just gets your heart kind of right. And that, that's what I do, at least. That's that's what helps me. But that's kind of my morning routine. I, I try to do that. You know, I, during my work days, I do that. Even on the weekends, I try to do it here and there. But definitely my work days, which is, um, I basically just work Monday through Thursday from like nine to three and that's it. So- that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, that's that's huge. And I think another reason that people would really like the idea of getting into real estate, you know, because maybe it maybe it's something that doesn't, you know, you don't have to burn yourself out. Yeah. You know, burning Actually, sorry, I work 10 to 3. I just think 9 to 3 because 9 is when I start my walks, but that's not really working. Well, I guess it's kind of work. It's like your mental mind. <laughs> yeah, no, it's definitely. Yeah, I, I trust me because I, I sometimes I try to get out and take a take a 30 minute to an hour long walk and I, I consider it work. So, yeah, you yeah. you have my permission to call it work for sure. <laughs> well, Rachel, I wanted to thank you so much just for, for, I mean, this has been a fantastic conversation. I think people Absolutely. are going to get a lot from it. And uh, I know I did. Uh, if thank you. Else. So, no, it's uh, so good to meet you. And I want to hear more about you after this, but <laughs> absolutely. All right. Well, God bless. Thank you again so much for being on here and, uh, and we'll hope to bring you back sometime soon. Thanks.